Election College, episode 54, The End of an Era. In this episode, FDR dies and Harry Truman assumes the presidency. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. So Jason, it is 1945. Uh, We just got done with the election of 1944. We just got done swearing in FDR and Harry Truman as the president and vice president. And here we are again with FDR um, going to the Yalta Conference. Yeah. So just a few days later, well, actually, maybe a couple of weeks later, after he's inaugurated, he flies to Egypt and boards the USS Quincy and heads over to the Suez Canal. Yeah, he's there with the king of Egypt. He's got the emperor of Ethiopia. And they have this historic meeting, which... If you know anything about the Middle East and Saudi Arabia, they're uh, oftentimes very closed and they don't have a lot of outside influence uh, intentionally. They choose not to. And um, FDR was able to meet with the founder of Saudi Arabia. And so, like, even to this day, that meeting is really what helps our countries not um, implode against each other, I guess you could say. (laughs) And so... Like this is a historic meeting that FDR is going to and leading, and they are really just hitting it off and making a lot of good headway. Yeah, so it was extremely important that Roosevelt makes this trip, and he's there with his buddy, the Prime Minister Winston Churchill from the United Kingdom, and it's kind of crazy because Churchill's physician is like. Oh my goodness, Roosevelt, he's a dying man. Yeah, he sees him. And if you get a chance, um, th- I mean, this is February and I'm, I'm talking about a picture from April. Uh, actually, there are pictures from that February as well. But if you look at even that picture from April, FDR looks immensely worse than he even did in his campaign pictures and posters for the election the year before. So not even, uh, what is that, six, eight months before. Right, yeah. He he comes back to the U.S., and on March 1st, he's going over to Congress, and he's talking about what happened uh, at the Yalta Conference. And people are like, oh my goodness, he looks really old, thin, and frail. And he spoke while seated. And he opened his speech. He says, quote, I hope that you'll pardon me for this unusual posture of sitting down during the presentation. And he's like, it makes it a whole lot easier for me to not have to carry about 10 pounds of steel around the bottom of my legs. Right. Because he was in the wheelchair most of the time uh, or oftentimes, but he did have the ability to stand with some bracing and um, it, it really helped him to, uh, to kind of give a different presence when he needed to rather than always sitting. But at this point he just said, there's no shame here. I am going to sit. I have to. And he, he went on to say, I'm still in, I'm still in full command mentally and I'm okay to lead and everything, but I just have to sit down. And that was for the, for Congress and the the country to see him like that. 
really took people aback. Right. Now, he's speaking strong, and he's saying, hey, Stalin, dude, you just broke a whole bunch of commitments that you made in Yalta. And he was talking about Poland and Germany and prisoners of war. And, um, you know, Stalin is starting to, how do we say that? <laughs> he's starting to look like Stalin and and not being somebody who keeps his promises and somebody who is not a trustworthy individual. And Roosevelt's speaking up against him, and he needs a break. So in late March, he goes to Warm Springs, Georgia, and he's he's resting. He's getting ready for the founding conference of the United Nations. And on the afternoon of April 12th, he says, quote, I have terrific pain in the back of my head. And then he slumps forward in his chair. He's unconscious, and he's carried into his bedroom. Yeah, the uh, the cardiologist who was attending uh, the president comes in and diagnoses a massive cerebral hemorrhage, which um, caused by and is a stroke. And then at 3.35 that day, he dies. And one era ends and another begins. Um, it just, you know, FDR has been around for a long time, has done a lot of things, has put a lot of policies into place that matter, and now he's gone. Yeah, the New York Times said men will thank God on their knees a hundred years from now that Franklin Delano Roosevelt was in the White House. He's actually sitting for a portrait, and it's known as the unfinished portrait of FDR. So right up leading up to his death, um, his daughter had actually moved in to help her father and provide some companionship and some support. And this is interesting. Uh, she had actually arranged for her father to meet with his former mistress and uh, the his daughter, who was friends with, with FDR and, and also with the mistress, got his mistress away really quickly um, to avoid any kind of negative publicity and implications of infidelity. And I, I don't know what was happening right there and then. Maybe they were just friends or maybe they weren't. Um, but interesting that his own daughter would bring his mistress to the presence of his of him um while his wife is still alive yeah it's a pretty crazy family dynamic you've got going on with the roosevelts i am not so sure if they enjoyed very many intimate sweet conversations (laughs) yeah yeah so um but anyway um it's part of history. And I actually, Ben, I can remember being in high school and hearing something about that and just kind of having my bubble burst a little bit. But it's history. Yep. Uh, the the procession will happen much like many of the presidential processions happen. Uh, Roosevelt's body is placed in a flag-draped coffin, and they put it on the presidential train. And then they have a White House funeral. And Roosevelt's transported to Hyde Park by train. And he's buried in the Rose Garden of the Springwood Estate, which is, of course, the Roosevelt family home. And um, then years later, when Eleanor, his wife, dies in 1962, they bury her next to him. Yeah. So you got Harry S. Truman, right? Uh Uh-huh. And he's the vice president. He's the VP for, what, just over 80 days, like 82 days or so? Not very long. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting about him because really the only eventful part 
of his vice presidency up to that point, and actually the complete vice presidency, was that he cast a tie-breaking vote in the Senate to confirm former VP Henry Wallace as the Secretary of Commerce. So anyway, Eleanor Roosevelt is actually the one who told Truman that her husband just died. He asked her, is there anything I can do for you? And she replies, well, is there anything we can do for you? You're the one in trouble now. And so, I mean, there's a lot of things that can be said about that. And assuming the presidency is no light task, of course. But remember, it's World War II as we know it now. Um, We've got, got things wrapping up shortly, but not yet. And part of that is the atomic bomb. Right. And you've got to win the war, right? I mean, that's you've got to seal the deal. And it's kind of interesting to note that Victory in Europe Day was only a few, well, what? We were not even a month into his presidency that the Allies win. And he actually said about the A-bomb that, quote, we have discovered the most terrible bomb in the history of the world. It may be the fire destruction prophesied in, prophesied in the Euphrates Valley era after Noah and his fabulous ark. So <laughs> um, that's pretty epic. Yeah. Yeah. He certainly didn't do it lightly. And of course, even though it was a, well, I don't know if I want to say popular decision, but it was an effective decision at the time. Uh, it's still debated to this day whether or not it was right or whether or not he should have done it. Either way, it's history. It happened. And afterwards, Truman uh, spoke very heavily about it and beforehand, I'm sure, as well. He spoke very heavily about it. But uh, as far as his presidency, Truman asks all of FDR's cabinet to remain in place. And he tells them, hey, I'm open to your advice. You were good enough for FDR for however many years. Why not go ahead and keep serving for me? Um, I'm going to make all the decisions and you're going to support me, but I'll listen to you. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to note in all of this too, you know, we, we talked earlier just about how FDR became very stern with Stalin. Uh Truman continued that practice and that whole dynamic where the Soviet union, they were our allies in the war, but that shift happened pretty quickly where, Hmm, you guys are communists and no communist is going to be a friend of the United States of America. And so you have Truman with his Truman doctrine saying, we're not going to stand for communism. The United States is a free country and we are going to come out against that. So that really establishes the beginning of the cold, the cold war. Yeah. So Truman, I mean, he comes in and he pretty much just continues the work that was already happening. He makes strides in some other places. He pleases a lot of people. He displeases a lot of people. <laughs> he drops a bomb uh, on or a couple bombs that are pretty big on uh, Japan. Um, he helps Berlin. He's kind of just doing all sorts of stuff in his ter- first term. And um, pretty soon it's going to be time for a new election. Yeah, it's crazy to think that in such a pivotal, uh, this is one of the most pivotal stretches of time for our country, period. 
I mean, you think about it, we are at war when FDR dies. And then just a few short months after the fact, our country is done. We've got soldiers coming home. We're wrapping up things. We realize some of the atrocities that have happened, um, especially, you know, with the Holocaust and, and all of that. There's a lot coming to light. We are no longer an isolationist country. We are very much involved with uh, the United Nations and um, just these these global alliances. We've got Europe to rebuild. We've got uh, Asia to look at and, and so many things going on. Truman is one of the most unlikely presidents ever. And it just doesn't seem that way when you skim over history because who doesn't know who Truman is? Right. Yeah. And something really interesting, Jason, that, um, that I remember from history class in high school, the fact that Truman was very supportive after the war and during the war, of course, too, but especially after the war of finding a place for all the Jews to live because we all, I mean, hopefully we all know what happened to the Jews in World War II, as well as many other people groups, but the Jews were persecuted and driven out of their homes all across Europe. And Truman was very interested in the fact that the Jews didn't have a, a land of their own, essentially. And he had, he had supported them in the past and um, continued to do so in his presidency. And that did gain him a lot of favor with especially the Jewish population of the world, but especially America. Yeah. And really the policies that we see in place and to this day with how the United States approaches policy when it comes to the state of Israel, as well as our country's stand against communism. So very important. Absolutely. Hey, Jason, we got another review this week um, from – actually, we got a couple more. And last time we mentioned a favorable review, which those are our favorite. Thanks, guys, for leaving the favorable reviews. Yeah. But, but it doesn't hurt every now and then to address a negative review. So why don't we do that? Yeah. So uh, somebody wrote disappointed and gave us two stars. They said, high hopes for dashed. Great subject matter, but everything is either glossed over or joked about too much. Should give much more context and info, less giggly nicknames and faux inside jokes. Should I go on? Yeah, let's go on. Also, podcast ads are fine even for your Amazon affiliate link, but something about advertising your own social media podcast consulting service is too much. Seems to have fans based on other reviews, but I figured I would add this perspective after listening to a few dozen episodes. Well, of course, we believe everybody's entitled to their own opinion, and we're thankful that even though you didn't like it, Timothy Joseph Ryan, um, which is the username. I don't know if that's the real name, but that's the username. Even if you didn't like it, you still listen to a few dozen episodes, and that's all we can really ask is that you give us a chance. But uh, I think it's funny because the only negativity we ever really get is pretty much you should go more in depth. And that's not, I mean... Maybe that's what you want, and that's okay. But that's not really what we're all about. Uh, we're kind of an overview of history, and we'll, of course, go into more detail. But, Jason, I, I think I mentioned this to you earlier in the week. I was looking at one of the more popular history podcasts on iTunes, um, probably one of the most popular, and just went through and sifted through all the negative reviews. And the only negative reviews they had were, 
goes way too far into detail. I wish it were more of an overview. <laughs> and all of our negative reviews are doesn't go in enough into detail. It shouldn't be as much of just an overview. So I guess that's true what they say. You can't please everybody. Right. And just so from the beginning, just so you know, our valued listener, we we really appreciate having you uh, listen into our podcast. We are ourselves answering those questions of who were these people who were running against some of the big names that we know in history. So even like uh, in this case, we have Harry S. Truman. Um, of course, he's not running up against anybody in this episode, but we know that in the next episode, he's running against Dewey. Well, it turns out Dewey is a very important person in our history. And I didn't know a whole lot about him other than the newspaper. Should I go into the future just a little bit, Ben? You going to give me that yeah. allowance? Yeah, yeah. Truman is holding up a newspaper that says Dewey wins. And that's about all I knew about Thomas Dewey. So we're just here to enlighten ourselves and have you join us into who are these people who lost the elections? Yeah, and we're here to have fun. And uh, if you don't want to have fun, we're sorry for you. But there's lots of other podcasts that <laughs> don't have fun. So, uh, But in all seriousness, we thank you for listening, whether you like it or not, and giving us a shot. We hope that you'll see our way. And by the way, you mentioned that we do some advertising. We try to keep that as unobtrusive as possible. Very, very rarely putting it anywhere but the end of the episode. But since you mentioned it, we might as well mention we do have our Amazon link at electioncollege.com slash Amazon. And Jason and I do need to make a living. So you can check out our social media and podcast consulting if you're interested in getting into either of those things or getting some help with your business by emailing us at contact at electioncollege.com. Yeah, we're here to help you get your message, whatever it is, as long as it's ethical. <laughs> get your message out there and we are glad to help and we enjoy interacting with you and working with you. If you disagree with this review, one of the most effective ways to let us know is to leave us a positive review. We, we really do appreciate it. It makes our day. And uh, we always converse about those and, and say about how great it makes us feel. So as an aspiring homeschooler myself, <laughs> I really enjoyed this uh, review from mom, 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 five, if I'm pronouncing that right. She writes, I would imagine she's a she, since mom is in there several times, uh, says that our podcast is a great homeschool tool. Um, we have two kids listening to the podcast as a part of their American history lessons. The explanations are so thorough and the hosts are so enjoyable to listen to. You make my job trying to actually make learning fun so much easier. We especially love how much the personalities of the founders are described it's so cliche, but you guys make history come alive. Love it. Thank you so much. Yeah, that was definitely a great one to read as well. And um, when we started this out, we thought, who could be our audience? And homeschoolers were definitely in that mix of people. So thank you very much for the positive reviews. Thank you for the negative ones. We can always try and learn something from those. And even if you've never left us a review, which you should have, uh, thanks for listening. It, it means a lot that people want to, for some reason, listen to Jason and I talk about stuff we're learning about ourselves. Yeah. And we try to keep the inside jokes to a minimum, if at all 
if you know of any inside jokes that we're telling that you don't get, hey, connect with us over on Twitter, <laughs> Facebook, or Instagram. We would love to know how cryptic we might be without even realizing. Thanks, everybody. We will see you next time. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc.